Something wrong, Professor. I, I feel like a new man. That dark fellow there used the word arch, and then I wonder. Arch. Standing by. What are you? If you refer to the arch you ordered, it provides computer control. Do you wish to input any commands? Not at this time. <gasps> Dark magic, Moriarty! <gasps> the best kind, I'm sure. I need information. Hello and welcome to Snap Trek, the podcast which compares two episodes of the galaxy's favourite science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I'm joined by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. Hi, Ross. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Always lovely to see you. <laughs> oh, lovely to talk to you too, Ross. How's things going? Good. Good. We're, we're coming off the holidays and getting back into... The routine, even though the routine is, you know, still different. It's still a strange routine. Maybe 2021 is the year. It all goes back to normal. Let's hope so. It all goes back to a bit of normality. I'm rooting for that. I know we all are. Computer and simulation. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't work. Oh, man. I wish it did. (laughs) Some kind of game? I've never seen that one before. How do you play? During each snap trek, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories. We select a scene or line or alien or prop which we think is excellent, and we award a point to the answer which we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Snap trek is a competition, but it's played just for fun. There are no prizes or trophies. The real aim is to have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps think about the episodes in a new way. We'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at SnapTrek. Please send us your ideas for episode comparisons and the categories we could use. And of course, send us Star Trek lyrical recaps or any Star Trek poetry, haiku, limericks, rhymes or verse. We love to hear it. Uh, and Jen, how can, I, how can everyone get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter. I'm at Quarks. And I am Taborg at strtrk1701 on Twitter also. Okay, let's get down to it. In this episode, we are made to question the very nature of being and reality, as Data and Picard match wits with a literary villain from the pages of Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories. I was lucky enough to watch TNG Season 2, Episode 3, Elementary Dear Data. And, by reason of logical exclusion, Jen, I can conclude <laughs> that you must have watched... <laughs> Holmes, you are correct. I was lucky enough to watch TNG Season 6, Episode 12, Ship in a Bottle. Uh, And of course, these two episodes are beautifully matched, uh, focusing on a recurring character whom, frankly, we don't see enough of in Star Trek. Right. Especially as his story is played out in other characters later on. But him 
this character particularly is interesting and exciting and tragic in his own way. And I'm sure we'll talk about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. Okay. As ever, we begin with a lyrical recap of the episodes under discussion. Jen, I'd love to hear your lyrical recap of Ship in a Bottle. Okay. So this is my lyrical recap for Ship in a Bottle. I started writing a limerick and then I got trapped in a haiku. (laughs) Do it. Uh, So this poem is called Ship in a Bottle, a.k.a. The Final Problem. Mm. Holmes Program 3A proved a diverting illusion till M's reappearance sparked some confusion. Consciousness, prison, I'll beat them at their own game and drift amongst the stars. The final problem has parallel solutions. (laughs) That was good. He trapped me in a haiku. (laughs) that, that That was actually fairly complex. As you listen to it, I was like, oh, this is rhyming and also following. That was good. That was very good. The episode's a little confusing, too, about which... Are we in the holodeck? Are we in... <laughs> and I, I, don't, I think this time, I think watching them back-to-back, you really... I mean, these episodes could yeah. go back-to-back. It's beautifully yeah. back-to-back, and it works so well. I love it. Four years could not... didn't have to have elapsed, apart from Pulaski. Yeah. The Pulaski's right. notable absence, <laughs> but... Um, for my lyrical recap for Elementary Dear Data, I knew in times gone by, I had written a short poem about Holodeck Moriarty already. Yes. Beginning with the, tight, beginning with the line, Moriarty, naughty smarty. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I searched for this on Twitter, and I surprised myself by finding two different poems that I'd written with that oh. line as the opening <laughs> line. <laughs> I mean, it's a good line. Once you, you got, why line. not use it? <laughs> so I'm going to just give you all of them, okay? Oh, I love it. Let's hear it. Right. Okay. I would also like to point out, though, before we get started, that that Ross's name in our chat here is the Napoleon of Rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really pleased with that. <laughs> I, I might I might start a whole new Twitter handle just for that. <laughs> I mean, you yes, you really should because you are the Napoleon of Rhyme. So <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> Okay, so this was written in 2017, in October, when, I I mean, for what reason? I've got no idea. Um, Moriarty, naughty smarty. Don't rate us, says we're haters. Deny his status, artificial like daters. Deny his rights and imprison him in the prism of lights. Wow. It's a little rap. It's a little rap. It's beautiful. Um, Uh... Then I have written another one in response to Rick Everson's call for things to cheer him up in November of 2019. That's sweet. Right. Sorry. Moriarty, naughty smarty, is sick of being holographic and not organomanic. It's so hard, he said to Picard. I've no rights because I'm only lights. We'd be mates, us, but the fates deny my sentient status. He set sail in a hologram jail to seek out new light and hue civilizations. Hmm. And beautiful. this has a coda <laughs> written only 20 minutes later. I've retweeted myself. <laughs> I've written, 
You've got no rights. They're not for lights, is how it was read by Gul Madred. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was an unexpected cameo by Gul I mean, all all this stuff like it exists it. on the internet, and all you've got to do is look. It's spark. I'm sure I've already written a poem about Mario. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> you are pretty pro- prolific in your your wordsmithing. <laughs> I, I do. I, I've realised now. I write a lot. So I write a lot you of do. stuff, and it just disappears into the ether. Oh, I'm glad we were able to capture these. I'm um, excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, I might, I might retweet and... them with the hashtag you Napoleon should. of Rhyme. Absolutely, you should. <laughs> I like how every time you, um, you, you like Moriarty was saying the, the lines, he kind of like was rapping it. <laughs> like he was like, uh, yeah, like he was a, yeah. I, he, he I, was a rhyme I wrote them as rap. <laughs> I wrote them as raps. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it works I, for the character. I'm the worst person to be a rapper. I'm a middle aged <laughs> white person in the south coast of England. I have no business in the rap game. Oh, it does seem it's work for the character though. It I works. Like it does. Because, you know, as a as a professor, as a professor from yeah. the Victorian era, he should be able to turn his hand to anything. I don't know why that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean he's got a brilliant intellect as one he of does, his main he does. characters. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jen, would you like to select us the first category? Oh my goodness, where do we get started? All these great, we've got great category titles today off uh, <laughs> from the Napoleon of Rhyme himself. They were so good. Uh, let's start with Elementary, my dear, dot, dot, dot. And this is, is the best character in the episode. Okay. <laughs> A character award. Obviously, I've got to mention Moriarty here, whom is yeah <laughs> is like the main character. Not you know he's the main guest character. He a, a, a holographic representation of a fictional arch villain from the Victorian era, whom is accidentally given self awareness through the slip of a tongue by an engineer in the 24th century. I mean, it's absolutely baffling. And it's baffling to everyone, not least of all him, who out of nowhere suddenly has to start reconceiving his idea of what reality is and his own place in it, and then almost immediately has to start begging for his own life. Right. And he does it in a very, very nefarious way early on but you quickly realise that that nefarious veneer is only a hangover from the narrative which created him. It's not the person he is now. Yeah. And, well, and, and it's also for his, he's fighting for survival too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you, you might go to some more extremes. <laughs> of course. That, of course. Yeah. Um, and he plays the hand he's dealt with, Honestly, he's just so sort of human about the whole thing. He realises there's limitations to reality. He meets a person who explains what's going on. He believes them and then he puts his trust in them. Right. And so that is thus demonstrating he's not the person we were all feared he could have been. 
you know, if this, if he, if he'd kept his character as a villain, but he's not that person. Um, and I just absolutely love him as a character. I love him as an idea. I think he is, he's just so nicely realized and nicely conceived of. And I'm, I'm not, I suppose I'm not going to hide this very much. I absolutely love Sherlock Holmes. So <laughs> I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. Um, and to have them both, to have Sherlock Holmes in Star Trek is like the meeting of two franchises that I'm like fanboying. Yeah. With. I love that oh, stuff. That's so great. <laughs> Uh, so having so I, I want to say tomorrow I want to say Moriarty, but actually I've chosen somebody else. Elementary, my dear, Holmes, but not Holmes. <laughs> I for me it is just glorious to see Data and Geordie dressed up as Holmes and Watson, oh, with yeah. Data just pouring himself into the Holmes role with such sort of verve and gusto. Putting on the English accent, speaking in an affected home style. He does a reasonable amount of detective work as well. And he does. For me, he displays like a whole range of emotions as well. And this is season two. So yeah. we knew that as an android, he didn't have any feelings, but Data still quite clearly demonstrates some emotions pleasure, excitement, confusion, concern. I mean, maybe he's just throwing himself into the role. But wow, seeing him be Holmes, I watched these episodes and just thought, give me a whole series of Geordie and Data being Sherlock Holmes. I I want this. I want this. I feel like I need this. I feel this would be a great comic book, but I just feel like they they never, they never really did this enough. Yeah. So for Elementary Deer, Holmes were not Holmes, which is what Moriarty called Data. Oh, I feel the same way. It's so great. I mean, even just even just the way he he's hamming it up, <laughs> you know, with like biting the pipe and. Yeah. <laughs> and when when even in the cold open, when uh, someone the the assistant calls after him, where will I tell the captain to find you? In the offices of two two one B Baker Street. <laughs> really. It to the role play it's so yeah. cute <laughs> i love it it's so good oh it's so good i love it that's a great pick he looks great in his costume they both jordy they, oh they look so I, good i must post that picture of those two dresses sherlock holmes and watson <laughs> i probably post it once a month on twitter it's gotta be my most posted photo so good i it's mean so i good. love it I love it, and, and my favorite, and, and I think like too about about you know you picking data for, for for the best character here because is great because he also gets uh, Jordy into it too. Like when when they when there's the murder that's that's not part of you know the Pulaski kidnapping. There's yes. like a mur- like the program has like a murder that's all, and Jordy's like, allow me, sir, and he goes on to like say, oh look, you can see that these marks here appear that. You know, the cause of death was strangulation, blah, 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 whatever he says. And he goes through this whole spiel. <laughs> and then Dana's just like, no. Sweet. Inspector, if I may be of assistance, as I take note of this dead man, I deduce that he was strangled. You see, the finger marks on his throat indicate the cause of death. And as there are signs of struggle, it's quite obvious that the murderer was a stranger who attacked him from behind. Is that correct, Holmes? No. 
No, that's not how this is done. And that's just that's just that's just a, a scene from Sherlock Holmes. Right. If I may venture an opinion, right. you oh, see, it's... but you do not observe. Right, <laughs> so great. <laughs> but he's just getting into it because data. You know the way, like you know, it's it's infectious. Like data's. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> love of this program is infectious i mean hey he gets Blasky into it even though she's doing it because she wants to uh you know prove data wrong <laughs> she's still in the holodeck playing with them you know Blasky's sort of overwhelmed by the holodeck isn't she she goes in yeah. and she's just like wow this is astonishing but then yeah. she's very quickly kidnapped <laughs> i mean she she spends about <laughs> three minutes in their company before Moriarty kidnaps her. Right, right. Oh, man. Um, and then she eats but... a lot of crumpets. <laughs> she gets stuff full of crumpets, and yeah. it's and their scenes are fun together. Yes, they but are. Basically, Pulaski scenes with everybody are great, except between her and Data. Like, I just can't... It, it's still oh. quite jarring to hear her speak yeah. so rudely to him. She's so rude about it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad I'm glad that Geordie stands up for Data, but I'll be yes. honest, I don't think he stood up for her quite enough. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so it's still... And Data... Data wins Pulaski over over the course of Season 2. Yeah. But I, I don't think he ever should have had to do that. Somebody right. should have... Picard just stepped in and told her to stop being so horrible. Yeah, because even if she does feel that way, even if she does have that, you know, prejudice against androids, you don't have to be in his face about it. Like, no. like, like she's she's a real jerk about it. Well, that's part of why like, she is. That's part of why she she doesn't respect him. Yeah, she doesn't see the need that he would require respect. Right. So that that's part of the problem. She doesn't feel the need to modify her behavior. Yeah. In in her in her interactions with him. Yeah, and it's and it's 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 such a shame because in every in everything else, like she's I I love her, like I adore her scenes, and and like here with her and, and Moriarty are are a match as as far as the intellect goes. You know what I mean? Completely. So it's fun to watch them together, and it's just it's only when she's around Data. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, very nice. Though. Yeah, no, it's, it's stop and stop harping on it too. Like like they were just having a private conversation too. Like and she just butts in and. And talks about data like he's not even there to Jordy. Yeah. Oh, you're wasting your time. He's just a computer. You know? And she really, really plays it. I mean, we've totally gone off tangent here, but she, <laughs> she really doesn't let it go. And even right. when she's almost about to be proved right, she yeah. you, you can be right and not be a not be a real ass about it. <laughs> you, you can be right and be like, oh yeah, no, well, you know, things have been like this. But she's just so horribly right and really wants to like you know rub his face in it a bit yeah anyway and, and it's and it's funny too because it's basically then her fault that moriarty got created because uh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> then like then jordy's like i'm gonna prove you wrong and and we're, we'll, we'll make this program you know he then he says the magic words <laughs> you know create yeah. create an adversary that could defeat data he says that because he, he wants the best scenario to prove her wrong about data so it's it's not i mean she didn't do anything wrong oh, i mean she didn't do anything to create moriarty but her prejudices led to the events that created Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, she's there. She's a factor in the chain of events, definitely. Right, exactly. 
But um, but yeah, but then she's great. And then I mean, throughout the season, I know oh, I'm really going off tangent. It just doesn't have to be a Dr. Pulaski hour. <laughs> but, we but so rarely get to talk about Dr. Pulaski, though. Yeah, we do because she's only in that one season. But um, but she, you know, and then there's some good scenes with her and Data. Like like this way, it, it's especially meaningful then later on when um, in the episode where he's playing Stratagema. Yes. And, and she's rooting for for Data. And, and she, what does she say? She does like a trash. She does like trash talking. I forget what she uh, says. Yeah, I remember this. I've watched yeah. it not that long ago. <laughs> I forget what she says, but it's really funny. And then it's nice to see her, you know, like rooting for Data when uh, in the beginning she wasn't always on his side. Yeah, but, that is nice. But anyway. <laughs> so, all right. Pulaski also gets a mention. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> just put him up a category just for. Um, so, yeah. all right. Jen, who do you have for best character in a Ship in a Bottle? Okay, so my best character element—it's it, uh, elementary, my dear Moriarty. Of course. of course. So we'll talk a little bit more about Moriarty. I had. To, there's no one else I could have picked. There's no like no. ups here because this is this is his moment. Like. <laughs> Um, because this, he, he, you know, he received consciousness in, in your episode and then they believe they thought he, they, that they just, you know, paused his program basically until they could do, figure out what to do. But we find out in chip in a bottle that that's not what happened, that he had, that he was like aware of the passing of time. And, and he describes in this horrible way, so, you know, like brief periods of, of disembodied consciousness or whatever mm. he says, which is horrifying, you know, Very He's unpleasant like, indeed. Like, like, torturing almost, you know, not by anyone's not on purpose, you know, just, just um, no one knew that that's what would happen. And, and, but, but he, he's great because he takes his gift of consciousness that he got and he just, he wants to use it to his full advantage, but not for any nefarious reason. You know, he just wants to explore um, he doesn't do anything evil, like, like, like for crime's sake, he's not like, he's not like, um, well, he's not like Badgie, no. <laughs> like Badgie's an evil holodeck character that wants <laughs> to like kill you. And he, that's, that's not Moriarty here. He's just fighting for his freedom. Um, you know, and he, and he does it in such a, a delightfully intelligent Moriarty way. Like he, he has this great idea, this brilliant idea to create this simulation, he, yeah, he, he has only a few minutes to conceive of this yeah. idea and to enact it. And to enact it, and he does, and 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 it's so brilliant. And his only end game with this scenario is to try to get freedom for him and and, and his companion. Yeah. And 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 I just I just think he's I just think he's so great. He's so complex. I mean, I I, I identify with this character so much, and and there's no reason I should, you know. But I just I just keep picturing in my head like 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 how like what would you do if all of a sudden you just popped into consciousness and you're trapped in this you can one room you can't leave and you know what I mean and what, what would you do and like and and it's just oh it's just he's just such a fascinating idea and um, like like you were talking about before like he's not. Like, like Moriarty is a criminal. We'll talk a little bit about this later too. Like he's a criminal, but he's not in the, in these episodes. He doesn't do anything. 
No, he 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 threatens and he misleads, right. but he could be so much worse. Because his his motivation is just freedom and self preservation. And he does he does have that sort of he does have that nefarious background to lean on and into, but he never takes it up. And even. I mean, after their first meeting, Picard seems to accept that. But on their second meeting, Picard's very clear that, just so you know, we don't stand for crime in the 24th century. Right, yes. It's like, well, you don't need to tell him that, do you? Is that? Okay, well, you said it now. What do you know about this character is what you've read about him. Yeah. You know, in the book. So, yeah, I mean, you got to think. But but, And then it's funny uh, because his companion is talking to we'll talk about her later too but because mm-hmm. she's great but um but she's talking to Picard and and she's like that's just how he was written he's not you know he's not bad this is how he was written and and it, it's it's big uh or it always reminds me of you know the Jessica Rabbit you know I'm not bad I'm just drawn that yeah. way <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah because that's yeah I I mean he's great I love him and Daniel Davis is brilliant amazing as professor professor moriarty and i love that actor and it is it, absolutely criminal to me that we never saw him again it, yeah. for, for my money for my money he should have been a villain in a film oh I, yeah. I would have loved to see him take over a space station take over jupiter station and get picard back and like threaten a horrible revenge get barkley <laughs> in there Get the EMH, get um, what's his name, the original, the, the creator of the EMH, him in there. Make this a big problem because I'll be honest, and Picard could go down this route because it's so much about how artificial intelligence is managed by an organic intelligence. Um, but I just think we never got a, a just resolution for Moriarty. I thought in the, at the end of either episode, at the end of the first episode, it still surprised me that Picard didn't say, We'll leave your program running. We'll turn this. This can be your office. You start figuring out a way to get off the holodeck. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll check in, and then we can use you on our adventures as well. Your unique perspective. Uh, still surprised me they didn't say that. But of course, TV twenty five years ago, thirty years ago doesn't work like that. I see. I kind of like the resolution of ship in a bottle. I think it's lovely because they couldn't. They didn't have the technology to get him off the holodeck. No. This is the next best thing. Uh, for me, yeah. this sounds for me, I always thought he'll have figured this out in about 30 minutes. You think? Yeah. He, he'll have figured this out because he's just done this exact same thing to them. He'll, <laughs> he, he'll figure this out. I don't know. He doesn't know much about the world in, in this century. Uh, but one of the things he is good at is gathering knowledge and accumulating information. That is true. I, I found that he, I, I thought, you know, we, we should get a follow up for this where he is just righteously angry that everything he knows has been a lie. He's had life for this amount of time and it's all been just nonsense. He's been matrixed. He was in the matrix. He's in the matrix. But I, I don't know. I kind of think if, I mean, if, if he's been having such a good time with, with, with his companion, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll really care. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> No, I don't know. If you woke up tomorrow and you were Matrix and you're just pulling out all the plugs, and someone's like, "Get out, get out your tube! None <laughs> of this, none of this was real," and you're like, "Oh, it's just a lovely memory. It's it's just Total Recall. You're at the Total Recall booth, imagining your beautiful life." Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, so, it's just so bad for him. I do. I do too. But I don't know. I, th- I think there's, there was nothing, there's nothing else they could do. And he, he was threatening. And that, I mean, that, he, he created the, the time <laughs> constraint for solving yes. the problem. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not like, and, and you know, um, you know, the scientists at Starfleet headquarters are still, they're not going to just stop their research. No, of course not. Of course not. But him, him forcing their hand, him, he forced their hand. They had nothing else to do. So I, I admit that they have to imprison him. That was a get, that was a given. Yeah. They have to leave him in there. That's that's what I wonder about. Maybe they didn't. Maybe we'll find out that he never got left in there. No. I'd love to know. You hear me, CBS? It's the answer I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where are we going with the points? Moriarty or Holmes? I good guys are bad guys. Team good guys are team bad guys. <laughs> I have to say, as much as I love Data as Holmes, and I do love Data as Holmes, Moriarty deserves this point. I, I just think he's he's such a well-realized character. He, he is so layered. I, I really, really love watching his episodes. And so, for me, Moriarty gets that point. I have to agree, but it's close. It's very close. <laughs> I could watch Holmes and Watson, Geordie and Data, yeah. an entire series. Yeah, I yeah, because it's not like you know Moriarty wasn't in like all the Sherlock Holmes stories. He's in like one. You know, he's, in, one. he's in. He's in a few. I think. I think he's in. I think he's in. He yeah, appears in one. Might be in two. Yeah, two before the final problem. I think. No, I, he's I, mentioned I, in a couple, but he's not actually in any yeah. until okay. until until Holmes dies. He doesn't appear. Oh man, he's barely in it. Yeah, well, he's in, he's in more episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so there's still a wide uh, universe of homes for them to play, and I think it's I think it's funny too. Then in ship in the bottle and ship in a bottle, that then we can assume that you know Data and Jordy have been playing this this for four years, and we just haven't seen it. <laughs> I love that as well. And I did I did wonder, they must have this conversation every time they plug the holiday. Every time they go to Baker Street, they must think, oh yeah, Moriarty, we must we must remember to do something about that. <laughs> we must top of the to-do list when we finish this program. Must right. figure out what's happening there. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Two, okay, so two points for ship in a bottle. Two points for shipping a bottle. Which is, you know, it's kind of unfair because Moriarty's in both episodes. I know, I know. But, but I will t- take this point because I, sh- I think shipping bottles more about him than oh, elementary. Completely. Yeah, so. completely. <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> All right. What, what's our next category? As uh, for round two, let's have a look at the best line. Jen, what do you have for the Napoleon of Lines? <laughs> Great category. So these are Moriarty lines. Moriarty. Correct? Lines, Moriarty. We're talking about the Napoleon of lines. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So he said oh, he's got a lot of great 
quotes. You know, yeah. he's very he's very flowery in, in his in his language, and of course, everything sounds better coming out of his you know with his British accent. Obviously, of course. <laughs> Present company included. Everything sounds better <laughs> with that accent. <laughs> um, so, so I have I have a couple. I have a couple here. So, so the first one I have is um, that I really like is just like a good um, a good little mantra here. Um, he, it, it's you know, we talked about him artificially creating this deadline because they the, the ships had it towards or they're observing two planets colliding Mm -hmm. and so they had to you know get the ship far enough away from it that they didn't get sucked into the gravity well um of the events they only had you know five hours or whatever uh amount of time they had until that happened so um and you know he's he he doesn't care you know it's he says at one point like i'm a fictional character what do i have to lose (laughs) or something like that which is also funny (laughs) but um but, uh, you know, and, and Picard's like, we can't do this in five hours. You know, we will try to, to you know, meet your request, but there's no way we'll be able to solve this problem in five hours. And, and his line is, he says, I'm not so sure. A deadline has a wonderful way of concentrating the mind. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a lovely way to put university, it. Is that what yeah. he said? That? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I thought that was a funny, uh, funny turn of phrase for that. Uh, but the line I picked it talks about what we were what we were talking about before with with Moriarty uh, in best character, which is him not being um, tied down to what he was in in this in the home stories, him being his own person, and and he's shown no evidence of being the type of villain that he is in the in the program, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is, this is when in the great scene where, um, Picard takes him to 10 forward and shows him that they're in outer space and, and, yes, and, I love and just, oh, I just love it so much. And, he, you know, and he, he's just like, um, you know, his awe at seeing it and, um, and Picard, you mentioned earlier, feels the need to, to say, you know, uh, you can't really do crimes here. FYI, no crime. We doing crimes is kind of frowned upon here in the 24th century. We're in no crime place. <laughs> but uh but and then this is my pick. He says he says, Don't worry, Captain. My past is nothing but a fiction. The scribblings of an Englishman dead now for four centuries. I hope to leave his books on the shelf, as it were. And I thought that was really nice. I like that really nice. Yeah. That's a great line. Yeah, and it's like you're not held to you know, the past is the past and moving on and he wants to move on to his future and he wants to have a future and that's relatable, I think. I think maybe that's one of the reasons I, you know, can feel for this character. I like him. I like, I like Moriarty. <laughs> I like this version of Moriarty. <laughs> I, I think it's great because it's not it's not just Moriarty. It's Moriarty with a with with a streak of data through him. And Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he doesn't just have he's not focused purely on crime. He's focused on outsmarting data. To outsmart data, you have to see things like data. Right. Uh, oh, that's a good point. Uh, another line I'd like to mention in your episode is uh, Moriarty says the title of the episode in the episode. He oh, says, that is always nice. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then in a lovely, this program as this ship in the bottle yeah in a lovely compliment uh pulaski says elementary dear data in elementary dear data oh that's nice oh both, that is nice they both say it both mentioned i thought that was lovely i love it and picard also in both episodes picard talks about um giving him what he giving moriarty what he wants yes which is cool too a cool little parallel this is this is a this is a great sequel to Amitri Dear Data. They really it's, worked hard it's to really, work. really intelligently done. Yeah. Um, so for Elementary Dear Data, there are obviously lots of brilliant lines. Two yeah. stood out for me. Um, I love the initial meeting scene between Data and Moriarty. And <laughs> Data asks if he has injured Pulaski. And Moriarty replies with no little menace, I will if I have to. And it's just terrifying matter-of-a-fact villainy, which really appears to affect Data. Um, And he quickly moves on to talking about other things, and you sort of it relaxes a little bit as you realise perhaps he's not going to hurt Pulaski. But the fact that he led with that, and he he resolutely didn't rule rule it out. He was very, it's on the table. I haven't decided what I'm doing about this yet. It was very scarily done. I thought, well done. Yeah. However, my favourite line, and I've picked this for an obvious reason, um, <laughs> is from the meeting between Picard and Moriarty. As you just mentioned, Picard asking Moriarty what he wants. And Moriarty replies, the same thing you want for yourself, to continue to exist. If I destroy these surroundings, this vessel, can you say it doesn't matter to you? Interesting pun, don't you agree? For matter is what I am not. The computer, the computer ah. has taught me that I'm made up only of energy. Just a beautiful summation of what's beautiful. going on, and a pun to boot. Beautiful. Oh, so, that's really good. It's a great line. I really like that line. It, it does. Yeah, it sounds very Holmesian too. Yeah. <laughs> you see that? The, the fact it's a pun, but he also says it's a pun. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> Oh no! Oh, there's a that's in both in both episodes too. Don't, don't they do? Uh, um, I think therefore I am. I think they say that in both episodes too. Yes, Kagito ergo some. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, it's so good. That's so good. I'm giving my point to your line. I I, I love my 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 line's more about what it's about the character than about what is actually said, and and yours is more. Also said nicely, I guess, <laughs> which is it's just something that that Moriarty would do. So I like that. I'm giving my points to uh, Elementary Dear Data. I think I'm also going to give my point to Elementary Dear Data because I think, I mean, I love a pun, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that they reference the pun. Do you? Pun. I, I do. <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people. Never would have guessed. Um, they re- they reference the pun, which I appreciated, and the line yes. is just. <laughs> So, so perfect. Yeah, so perfect. So and good. So it just sums up the problem that Moriarty is having and the reason why we can't all get along. Uh, perfect. So yes, two, two, two points to elementary data to them. Perfect. Okay, we're tied up. Okay. The game is afoot. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. For category three. We're gonna to go to a vic- to the to Victorian curiosity. Ooh. 
so I I love this. I lo- in in probably more in my episode, but also a good deal in yours. They spend a lot of time in Baker Street and in Victorian London, mm-hmm. and it's it's just beautifully done, really nicely realised. So my immediate thought was for two two one B Baker Street with all the exquisite details from the home stories, which they just. I mean, they're just mentioning outright. They're picking up bits and saying, yeah. this is from that episode, this is from that story. <laughs> there is, as they walk in, it has VR written on the wall in bullet holes. And I'd never noticed that detail until there's a chap on Twitter called George Hillebrand. He pointed it out. And that is a... Fabulous. Fabulous one, follow. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's so... Uh, at Gag Yogi. Uh, he is fantastic. All the details he points out are just really, really brilliant. Um, but the VR is Victoria Regina, which has been shot in the wall by Holmes when he was bored. <laughs> and they never mention it in the in the episode. I was like, oh, wow, they've bothered to put that in. Gorgeous. Brilliant. Awesome. So, so I really like that. However, the item I have chosen is something rather different. I have chosen the enormous hologrammatic steampunk levered contraption which yes. Moriarty uses to control the Enterprise. It's just absolutely mammoth. It has a wheel and a lever, and he pulls the lever and by some method shakes the ship. Now, presumably with a bit more time and a bit more thought, he could create a Tom Paris-style board of knobs and levers which would control the Enterprise. I thought just this big sort of steam machine, which he just yanks the lever and the whole ship shakes. I just thought that's so great. It looks fantastic. It's so, so brilliantly villainous to have a, a big lever to pull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make bad yeah. things happen. Um, so I picked the gigantic steampunk lever. That's an amazing pick. You know, it's, it's, it's the manifestation of, of, Moriarty's thoughts of, of like how how can he control the ship that's all he knows about the Enterprise is I mean he drew it you know like like oh, but it's a I ship and his, which I love that 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 freaked me out so much properly mind blowing I mean yeah. I remember watching this as a kid and be like yeah. oh, yes on the ship oh my god yeah. it's scary it's actually it's a scary drawing to be I think maybe because it's so primitive yeah you know like there it's aren't just any yeah, it's just the outline, and that's for some reason is scarier. I don't know. Kind of has like a close encounters feel. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that. <laughs> Which, I, yeah, I love that drawing. But it's the same thing. Like, it's just these are the the manifestations of his thoughts, and he's like, okay, well, how do I control a ship with this big lever, you know, on this little, little uh, steam engine? Because that's what I know from from Victorian from Victorian era. Exactly. It's so interesting. It's so cool. And it's, yeah, it's, it's well-designed and it is, it's satisfying too, when he pulls it too, because it's, 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 because it's a large lever. It's massive. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't have the impression listeners, if you haven't seen it, that it's just a little lever on like a joystick. It's not, yeah, no. it's a big old time train brake lever that you have to pull mm-hmm. with two hands. Yeah. So, so there's, so there's something very mechanical about it. Yeah. You know, which is really interesting that it, he that he can uh, affect the, the a spaceship with it. You know, yeah. it's just so perfect. Oh, that's such a great pick. I didn't think of that. 
I know. I really, I was, I was going to go for Baker Street, and I was like, no, it must be the giant machine. Yeah. Oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful pick. What do you have for a Victorian curiosity? Okay. So I, I'm, I'm kind of cheating a little bit, I guess. Because uh, yeah, yeah, because like you said, there more of it takes place in the in the Victorian era in uh, Elmer data. Of course, but, the virtual reality, the right. VR in your episode, is most of the Enterprise. Right, but we do see, you know, two. 221B Baker Street, uh, you know, the sitting room and everything. But my pick is the Countess Regina Bartholomew herself. <laughs> I just, I had a flash that this is who you're going to pick. And I see very, very <laughs> I had to because everything about her is straight out of the Victorian era, too. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like, like more so than, than uh, Moriarty, even. Oh, yeah. You know? Because he's about to, he's becoming 24th century. Yeah, yeah. And he's aware, like he says later on in the episode that he gave her consciousness, but I'm not sure that I believe she's no, really has consciousness. Um, but I think he wants to believe that. But but she's, I mean, not just I mean her fabulous, fabulous outfit and hat, and, and she's got this cameo pin and and um and of course her accent and and the choice of words that she uses, uh, too, you know, and, and it's, it's, she's played by, uh, you know, the amazing, um, oh man. I, Stephanie I Beecham. Stephanie Beecham. Of, uh, I always think <laughs> of Yeah, she's Dr. Westphalen yeah. in my heart of hearts. Uh, but she's just amazing in this role. She's so beautiful and, and spunky, <laughs> I guess is a good word for, for the captain. Yeah. She is um, like a, a Victorian adventurer. She is. Yes, she even has a story about going to Africa on safari, you know, and 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 her and her big excitement is she she got to wear trousers every day. This has to do with taking James and me into the real world. You 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 know about that. I mean, you understand about the real world. James has explained it to me. It sounds like a grand adventure. There's nothing I love more than voyaging in the unknown. Have you ever been to Africa, Mr. Um? Uh, Barclay, Lieutenant Reginald Barclay. Uh, no, no, I haven't. I have. When I was 17, I went on safari with my uncle. My mother took to her bed in terror. I'd be bitten by tsetse fly, but I had a marvelous time. I got to wear trousers. The whole time. <laughs> oh, it was hard to go back to a corset, I can tell you. Yes, I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so lovely. Like, the, like everything about her. And she's just so, she's so, she's curious, you know, which you would expect. But she's also uh, in, in a real, in a real, like, excitable way like 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 she finds joy and like like even it's like like she's watching reg set up the pattern enhancers and and she's like oh what's this now and 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 this this dear chap has is is using these you know but but it's funny because because she asked reg about it you know she's curious she asked him about it and then later on she 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 listened and understood enough that she could explain yeah. smart art what reg was doing which is was awesome i really like that yeah i really like um, that as well yeah, she's a delight. She has Picard's number yeah. <laughs> when Picard sits down with her, and, and you know she's like, she's like, ooh, uh, you know, you remind me of another, you yeah. know, man who you know tries to charm women, you know, women, whatever story she tells, and, and it's and she's just a delight all the way through, and uh, 
fabulous and i love her so much <laughs> yeah you, you've you've picked you've picked very well there because she is really really fun to watch and she is she, you can see why moriarty won't leave without her you can yes. see why why he's yeah. so insistent that this that she become that she's part of the problem too um, right. and she is fantastic and you, i mean i know we say this a lot but you could have just watched more and more with them in Oh yeah, more and oh. more of the Countess and Moriarty. Oh my gosh, a short trek, Moriarty and the Countess just on an adventure. Oh my god. <laughs> in the bot. Oh my god, I love it. I'd love to see the adventure. Aren't they, both, aren't they both still working? I believe <laughs> they are. It, I, I honestly, I would love to see a scene where Moriarty appears in like Daniel Davis, and then it's just looks at himself, and then sort of regresses into a younger state and like a different actor oh man you know to like i'm gonna i'm gonna take on the 25th century now <laughs> I, I i i would love to see him in picard i really think he would fit uh anyway great that would but, be a whole other thing yes so i i love her very much i, I think she is just a holodeck character like like we're, we're saying though but she's great i love her she is good. I, you've you very cleverly picked there. That is good. <laughs> I just got a big, ugly-looking machine with a lever. And you put a person we all really like. Yeah, I kind of cheated. I admit, but the, I didn't really have too many choices. In, no, in no, no, no. We I see think- the we see the sitting room, and you know, but most of it is about trying to get out of. <laughs> Victorian England. I think Cheetah's totes legit, so I'm I'm all over that. I'm <laughs> gonna have to give my point to the Countess. I don't know how I could do anything otherwise. I think it's yeah. absolutely essential. Yeah, she she deserves points, so I'm giving her my point too. But but I'm very surprised. But oh, I should I'm never surprised by your <laughs> brilliant picks. But but I just mean I didn't think of that, and that's that's that is definitely the right answer <laughs> for how much dear data. That's such a great pick. It's fun, isn't it? It's so, yeah, yeah. That's really fun. Okay, end of round three, ship in a bottle four, elementary data two. Mm, okay. And we yeah. should explain too that we're we're having we usually have five categories when we play Snapchat, but we're having six categories today just because Why not? Why not have six? <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, <laughs> just re- I wrote like... six. I just I thought you'd be like, here's my favorite five. And you're like, let's do all six. <laughs> right, that's they were all so good. I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Okay, for round four, let us look at the best scene as we examine the curious incident of the blank in the blank. Jen, what do you have for best scene? <laughs> I love the frame of this this category. Okay, so for my best scene, we have the curious incident of the adventurers in the shuttlecraft. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. And this is at the very end, uh, where um, you know, but you know, there's like a double switch <laughs> across, like, yeah. you know, because Picard, you know, Moriarty thinks he got Picard. Picard has actually gotten Moriarty, um, but uh, so so Moriarty thinks that he's won, and he he thinks that he's convinced the the real Riker. <laughs> Uh, to use the transporter to transport them into the quote unquote real world, um, and and he uses his last his last bit of leverage, you know, uh, um, the the quote unquote real Riker, even though it's not, uh, yeah. 
it says we've got like 20 minutes before we get sucked into this gravity well or whatever. Please give us the controls back. And he, you know, Moriarty's like, I'm not giving you the controls back until um, you know, looking at the Enterprise from from a shuttlecraft. So he does. So this this is my scene is uh they're in the shuttle bay and They've been given a shuttlecraft. Moriarty and the Countess Regina Bartholomew have been given a shuttlecraft. And he's they're both so happy. It's so cute. And Moriarty's like, oh man, I wish I could see Picard's face right now. And <laughs> 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 you realize, you know, that he's been in the holodeck, which is hilarious because we you know, um, because that's not what's going on here. But uh, so he thinks he's won, which is nice. Uh, and then and then they leave in the shuttlecraft. You know, Riker's like, if you give it vocal commands, it'll take you anywhere you want to go in the universe. And he gives them a suggestion about where they could go. And so, in so, and and then this part of the scene that I love is is them in the shuttlecraft, and these two char- fictional characters out of Victorian England. In outer space and just the awe, you could see the, these two such brilliant, talented actors too, just in awe of being in the beautiful outer space. They, they uh, You can see the aura of the, um, you know, the planets colliding or whatever's going, you know, yeah. phenomena is happening. And, and, um, and, and she said, and then Countess turns to him and says, James, can we go back to earth? someday <laughs> you know and you just it was just, just such a lovely line and and you just you just there's just so much like you just feel the the sense of adventure and the you know just 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 the that that feeling of excitement when you're when you're going out you're trying something new and, and doing something exciting and I just love it and I love those two characters in this moment and it's just such a perfect moment and then you see Picard quit the program, <laughs> which is just you know what I love it. I, I don't care. I, I think everybody, everyone's a winner. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I do see that. I do. I do feel like in the bottom line, he has been duped, and he's going to find out. He's going to find out. I get. I get. I totally get that. I, I've had that thought too. I mean, Moriarty is like extremely intelligent. You can only. How long did it take Data to figure it out? Exactly, and, and he, he, I mean, he had, had a clue. Data, and he knew like the left-handed said. thing was happening. So, yeah. Sort of, yeah. Oh, but God. you know, but it's for now. It's a happy ending. Yes, everyone's a winner. Yeah, and, and that's true. And you know, and, and even if it's not real, the adventures they're having, the way they're feeling right now, is real. That's true. You know? So, and then it's it's as real as it needs to be, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> But I just love that scene. That just scene it just always, always sticks in my head. I just, I, I've never felt so happy for holograms. <laughs> I, 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 this is part of why the the hologram, the, like what happens to the Doctor in Voyager, yeah, and how he's treated and his pathway to acceptance. That I really feel very strongly about that, and I'm still mm-hmm. surprised at how badly he's treated in some episodes of Voyager. Even even some later episodes, um, so I'm always really happy when the right when rights are explicitly documented and made plain, and I just wish we could have seen a little bit more of this for Moriarty. Yeah. But you know, you're right to say he is putting the the squeeze on. 
you know, <laughs> he's he's not playing fair. I do wonder, do you think he'd have gone through with it? Do you think he'd have had the ship destroyed? Yeah, see, that's an interesting. I don't think so because I don't. I think he. I think one of the things that motivates him is his will to survive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and for his beloved countess too. Well, I don't. Of I don't think he would have. I think he's bluffing. I think he's bluffing as well. I think eventually <laughs> he'd have uh, he'd have given up. Yeah. Okay. But what? What about you? The, what's your best scene? So. I have the curious incident of the hologram in a hidden laboratory. Ooh, <laughs> I would read that book. <laughs> it sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> I have selected the scene where Moriarty meets Data and LaForge for the very first time. Yes. And, I mean, he doesn't really appear to sort of halfway through the episode. Because oh, that's the, interesting, yeah. The first half of the episode's about Data and, and being Sherlock Holmes and Pulaski challenging Data to exceed his program limitations. And Moriarty appears accidentally later on and then becomes the focus of the story. And there's really no beating about the bush. He doesn't, there's no prevarication. He explains very quickly that he is aware of more than he understands. He demonstrates an awareness of the computer and shows that he can summon the arch. And the look on Data's face as he realises that Moriarty is more than just a character and that he has Pulaski, whom he might injure, right. is really, really strong. The, the, the sort of the way everything drops. Um, and Moriarty is really plain with what he wants. And this is when he says, I haven't heard it, but I will. And this is when Data is realising that more is going on. And then he, with a final question, sends Data running out of the holodeck with a scribbled picture of the Enterprise D. And Geordie, whom I thought was, you'd probably have a better idea of what was going on here, really had no idea what was going on. He thinks Moriarty is a dangerous character and just chases after Data. And then Data shows him the picture of the Enterprise D, the, 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 the pencil drawing of it. And then it's just sort of, wow, something enormous has happened here. And the, ep- the tone of the episode just entirely changes then. It goes yeah. from being a, it, it's yeah, it's really a very two-part episode. First half, Holmes, Data, Baker Street, Detection. The second half, Hologram, Sentient Rights, uh, a villain with control over a starship. It, it totally changes, and it's this it's this scene that changes it, and it's very very good. Yeah, oh, that's so great, and you're and like it's scary, like when Data just like folds the paper and runs out of the holodeck. You're like, oh my god, what is on this paper? Make it active, and Data's like, shut down program, you know, and he couldn't do it. And and there's something, and you know, we talked about the drawing earlier. There's something very uncanny valley about that drawing. Yeah, there really is. I love that drawing. I love, I that. love that drawing. It's like it's like a rudimentary intelligence made this drawing. You know, like something new and different, and and it's it's frightening. I love it. I love it so much. It's a great pick. It's a great scene. And I love it. I love his uh, his almost homes or not quite his thing. Not quite yeah, homes. Yeah, homes but not homes. Yes. And Watson uh, but not Watson. And then it's not till later in their second meeting that he calls him Data. Yeah. And then he draws attention to the fact that he's not calling him Holmes. Right. Oh, that's so good. I think that's just such a little touch of nuance and detail, which I just think is really sweet. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's because uh, it's scary too. Because then, okay, like we we know we we have we have the the cultural touchstone to know that Moriarty is like a criminal mastermind. So then once you know that he has intelligence, like everything can go through your mind. Like, oh no, what's he going to do with it? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and oh my. Yeah, that's a great scene. That 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 scene is is totally a tone shift. Yeah, it so switches everything up, and it makes yeah. the episode. It it makes the episode. I mean, it's so good. So yeah. well done. Um, four points. <laughs> it's hard because this is sort of the first meeting of Moriarty and the last meeting of Moriarty. Yeah. Oh, we did. We bookended it. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think you see the one you you the one you picked is so good. Like it's 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 such a like famous. It's a famously great scene. Yes, I mean it's a it's, great scene. It is. It is. I, I'm sticking. I, I'm just an old softy. I think. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with the the happy ending, at least for now, of him riding off into the sunset with his beloved. I like that. I do. I, I, I like <laughs> it, but I actually a lot of me doesn't like it as well. I'm still I'm still feeling it's not gonna last long, is what you No. Mean. I, I'm I'm gonna go for the opening episode where he is where he's playing on his Victorian villainy and yeah. you know, demonstrating that he's more than more than they originally perceived. So I think I'm gonna pick pick elementary data for this yeah, one. Yeah, that's fair. Um that's- See, I yeah, and 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 I mean, I I like to, in my head canon, like he figures it out, but not for a long time. Yes, and then just like, and she doesn't figure it out. Like the countess does not. I think he keeps it from her, and just they keep living their life. That's my thought. By that time, he's softened enough that it's like, well, this is the best I'm going to do, you know. <laughs> I don't, you know, know. I don't think that would contain him. I think it might contain him for a bit. I think it might contain him for a bit. Yeah. But then you're right. If it doesn't, that leads to possibilities of a villainous Moriarty return, which I would adore. I, I'm so there <laughs> for it. <laughs> okay. So we've split the points. They can make it so he ages. Like that was part of his program to age. I think so. I Why think not? Would, I think it would be one of his powers. I think we'd have yeah. him as old Moriarty and then the young a young Moriarty. Have I, see, I think we just keep him. I think we just because we can keep because Daniel Davis is amazing. Let's keep. No, him. no, he has to be Daniel Davis has to be has to be Moriarty. But I feel like yeah. I feel like he would lean into being a hologram. I feel like he doesn't have to appear <laughs> that way. He could That's... do other things. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I, th- I think he'd I, I think he'd use it a bit more. <laughs> like he lent into well, the holodeck he he used yeah. the contained room he was in to create a locked room mystery that's oh he did uh you know he's there you know, <laughs> I love room. escape room basically yeah. <laughs> i love escape rooms that's awesome. i love escape rooms. <laughs> all right okay so ship in the bottle five elementary deer data three okay there, there's still time oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Two more categories. Uh, Jen, I think it's yours. All right. So let's go for our difficult things we need to overcome. Our three pipe problem. <laughs> right. I love it. I, I'm going to bring you three pipes as well. <laughs> Perfect. So first pipe, the problem was explaining 
uh, to data the value of losing and why it was so frustrating to LaForge and Pulaski. It was very frustrating yeah. to LaForge. Yes. That data was just recognizing home story components and inverted commas solving them from memory rather than actually figuring out something. Right. And he's very perplexed that he's not engaging in the actions which his companions are seeking. So that was the first problem, but they, they did overcome that quickly and effectively. The second is creating a mystery and an adversary capable of outsmarting data, which Jordy <laughs> does with a careless phrase, uh, but he does that very, very quickly as well once they've realised that's a problem. The biggest problem, what to do with Moriarty. An exquisite ethical dilemma and mm. one that could have been solved in a multitude of ways. And in the end, I mean, the end of the episode is just Picard going down to Moriarty and explain to him, here's what's what. <laughs> and that's it. And Moriarty's like, oh, what a horrible thing to have to hear. But I accept that you're a man yeah. of your word and I trust that you will do the right thing by me. And it, there's no, there's no action. There's no, <laughs> there's a hostage which he has released, and he was obviously very nice to her. And I think Pulaski feels bad about what's happened yeah. to him. Um, but it's just, it's just bizarre that it's that this is now the crux of the episode. What do we do with a hologram who has somehow developed sentience? Right. Should we switch it off? Do we let him run? And the fact they made him a villain, I wonder if it would have been different if he was somebody whom they had more respect for. Yeah, what if it was Holmes? Exactly. What if what if they'd accidentally recreated Holmes? Um, <laughs> would they have kept him they've, on? Would they have tried harder? <laughs> Figure out how to get him off the hook? I don't know. And what if he'd been a real person? This reminds me of the episode... Is it... Which is the episode where Belana has that weird parasite attached to her and the doctor recalls a hologram of a Cardassian doctor? Oh, right. Um, oh, nothing human. Nothing human. Okay. Um, that and very sort of similar. In fact, we could almost have this comparison here. Very similar dilemma. If you've recreated somebody and there's talk, there's talk of the doctor keeping that program running, another doctor on board, brilliant. But then there's all these moral issues about the kind of person the hologram was in life. You know, this this isn't the hologram. This is a representation of a person who's done bad things. But what do you do with that? And it's so mind bending. There is very few answers that are totally satisfying. And the answer to this isn't totally satisfying either. They're just going to turn him off and save him. Yeah, they're basically putting him in stasis so they can figure out his illness. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's not, he's not <laughs> ill. He's, he's restricted. He's not. Yeah. He could exist in that room. Yeah. He's on a life support system. Yeah. I guess. Oh, but, but so... You know, and it's interesting, too, because we do have an example of what they do when they create a good person. And that's Vic Fontaine. Yeah. 
And the solution is, you know, he's happy in his, <laughs> we're, you know, we're lucky enough that Vic Fontaine was happy in his holographic Las Vegas, you know, exactly. and, and he yeah. just said, you know, and they made changes when he wanted changes. He wanted, he's like, can I be running 24 hours a day, please? <laughs> and they said, sure. Yeah, you're absolutely you know? right. You're absolutely right. And and yeah, they gave him the accommodations he needed. But what if Vic, you know, wanted to leave the holodeck? Then, I mean, they just could they, they don't have the technology for that, I guess. No. There's nothing they could do. But, oh. but Moriarty wasn't content with the idea of just staying in his holographic simulation no not at all and yeah but he basically got the Vic Fontaine solution at the end of the day that's really when you put it like that you're absolutely right yeah (laughs) because he was twisting people's arms to get it he was never going to get what he wanted it was never going to happen they only had to give him what he thought they had to give him whatever they could muster yeah but if he'd worked with them it could have been different and I'm assuming like that we've seen the only instances of a holodex becoming sentient <laughs> life forms. I hope that that's not something that, you know, just happens very often. <laughs> I, I, I think but... the enterprise is something particularly special. <laughs> right, I mean, the enterprise yeah. is giving birth to its own offspring later yeah, on. Right, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's so the enterprise right. is obviously a, a, you know, binar upgrades. It's doing right. its own thing. And Vic Fontaine is a special holler program as well. He's, he's unique. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor. And, the, and they, they, they kind of allude to the fact that the doctor just developed sentience because he was running so long, which is kind of scary. But, the, but this, is, like, <laughs> this is why they struggle with the doctor because they don't, they don't yeah. definitely, definitely give him sent. You know, when he comes back oh. to the earth, there's no guarantee that he's going to be yeah. treated as anything other than a hologram. And I, I argue he, I mean, he, he hasn't, when we first meet him, he hasn't achieved sentience yet. No, not at all. How could he? He only gets turned yeah, it's on. Just a regular old, you know. A regular old hologram. Yeah. And how but, long does it ta- How long does one need to run? Right. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. that's just not something that happens. Like you, <laughs> cause that's, you could create an army. Of holograms. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I was thinking about Moriarty as well. The idea that actually, as soon as he leaves, they could create another Moriarty. Right, right. There's no... Well, that's why, that's what, like, I don't think it worked that he, when he says he gave sentience to the Countess. No, exactly. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was just, because I took, in my mind, the power search that happens in Elementary Dear Data wasn't, was a cause of it, not an effect. Like I think, I think basically Jordy made a wish. At the same time, there was a power surge, and you know all this stuff <laughs> happened at the same time, and it magically I, created. I, I saw it as the as the processes sort of whirring into life to try and fulfill this bizarre request. Yeah, I I just I just hoped it was the other way because it just seems too easy of a way to create a sentient being. And uh, I think this is, this, this is why it's such a three pipe problem. <laughs> That. Can we just keep doing this? I mean, there's the same. We should have in Picard with data yeah. and the measure of a man. You know, right. if you can create a life, what responsibilities do you have towards it? Right. Well, that's a, yeah. Because oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I interrupted. I suppose the, the other aspect of it is when when human beings reproduce and we create organic life, 
it's different. Is there a is there a, an, a further ethical dilemma if the life you create is all exactly the same? It's totally identical. It has no distinguishing features. It, you know, it would be bizarre. Yeah, and and that's why, like, I, I mean, when you see, oh, geez, what episode is it? When, when we see all the all the holograms that look like the EMH in the mines, where are yeah. they in the dilithium oh, mines or whatever? Author, is it author author? It might be an Arthur author, which I, I, it's not my favorite episode. Yeah, no, but uh, but um, but when you, you see them in there, it, it, it's there's no ethical problem with that if they are just hologram holographic workers, you but know. They're, but they're if happy about what they're doing, they do they? Are they plot implying that that they've been active so long that they are sentient being? You know what I mean? Like active at like, mining. Yeah, because that's that's horrific torture if that's the case. You know all, what I mean? They all look pretty miserable, and they all are interested in the but, fact that other things are happening. But you can make a computer program feel, you know what I mean, act like that. I mean, the EMH yeah. itself before it was had you know a terrible bedside manner. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Before it was uh, became sentient. So I don't know. It's just yeah. I mean, he passed the Turing test. But is that enough? As as far as I'm concerned, the only sentient holograms in the Star Trek universe are Moriarty, Vic Fontaine, R.E.M.H., and that terrible, scary hologram in Voyager that killed its crew. What was it? Oh, yes. What episode was that? No, I know exactly who you mean. It's that Leland Awesome Leland Awesome. He's always he's always a really weird character. He's in loads of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I have to look that one up. I, well, I don't even know what to to search for that one. Balana. Oh. Right, was it? <laughs> Voyager murderous hologram. Murderous hologram. And he has the goldfish. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. My Voyager rewatch can't come soon enough. Oh my gosh. Revulsion. Revulsion. Oh god. Leland Orsa. Oh, good call. With I just remember that guy's name. He's just this face. He's just got oh, face. so much good stuff. That is one of the most terrifying episodes of Star Trek. I love it. Revulsion. It's such a good episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he he's sentient too, I guess. But those are the only ones but in my these, mind. If these guys have achieved sentience and all they've done is been on. Other people have been on. I mean, this yeah. is well, that's, that's what I mean. Like, like, yeah, like I, there's something else happened, some kind of spark, some kind of weird, you know, coming together of different different factors that you can't recreate, that you can't re- just recreate in a lab, just have happened. Because otherwise, the implications are just horrifying. Uh, I think that's why well. it's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then in that case, too. They should just destroy. I, I mean, they can't because it's it's not fair to the EMH. But but that technology from the future of of mobile emitters then is is really scary because then you could just create an endless amount of armies, holographic armies with mobile emitters that could go anywhere and and will do anything. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's part of the horrifying <laughs> aspect of it. 
I'll go back to my four four sentient holograms in the history of holograms. Oh, <laughs> That's what I choose to believe, so I can sleep at night. <laughs> oh, and can I make the Rios holograms sentient? They're not, but I but why wouldn't they? I mean, they don't. I don't. They don't seem to me to be sentient. But then, no, I don't think. Why, why wouldn't they be? What's the yeah, on for a certain amount of time? That's exactly. We don't know. They're the only people on the ship. Presumably, they're on for ages. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. I think they're just aspects of Rios's personality. And that and that is why it's so. Oh, that's why that's so, so fun because that is bizarre. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Such a good, I mean, that's such a good idea. It's so fun. To yeah, it really is. Okay, we are way off topic here. We've okay. lost it. But that, that is that. the ethical dilemma of what do you do with a sentient hologram is my three-pipe problem. Okay, that's good. <laughs> what, what do you have for your three-pipe problem, Jen? Yeah, well, so we have a problem within a problem, kind of. <laughs> Just like oh, we, yeah. you know, <laughs> Holographic simulation within a holographic simulation. So there's, you know, so there's... the the problem of how to get Moriarty out of the holodeck, you know, which is ostensibly the problem they're trying to solve. Uh, and then the problem is that they're stuck in Moriarty's holographic scenario to begin with. So, so there's two, pro- two main, I would say there's two main problems and the one they solve and the one they don't solve. Uh, so I'll, I think I'll pick for my three play problem, the one that they solved, uh-huh. which is stuck in it, but I'll talk about, you know, but actually trying to get him out of the holodeck. I mean, this was a pretty smart plan. Mariani's yeah. just using them as a as a research and development <laughs> uh, program simulation, you know, uh, to try to figure it out. I thought that was and, so good. And, go ahead. I thought that was so good, the way he's like, he's seeing what they're doing and then feeding it back to the real crew. So like, have you yeah. tried that? They're thinking right. about that. That's, that's a that's a great idea, you know. <laughs> and I said, you know, and they tried using pattern enhancers and everything, and just using the idea of using the transport itself. You know, it's interesting. Like these are things that they they could be thinking about. Yeah. Um. So so they're working on that problem, and then they're stuck in that once once they figure out that they're stuck in Moriarty's holographic scenario. Um, then Picard, this is Picard puts his plan into action, which is, is basically find a way to give him what he wants. (laughs) And it's great because he uses, uh, it's, it's very like, like a a long con the way he does it, which is great because he, um, he sits down with the countess and they have a, a really fun conversation and, and he, any, 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 uh, he tries to enlist her to help you know, say, say, you know, please, please give, tell Moriarty to give us back control of our ship. Uh, we have this great new technique where, you know, we're gonna, about, you know, uncoupling the Heisenberg compensators, you know, he totally just like makes up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a technobabble, <laughs> you know, um, transporter thing that they could do uh, that, that works, that they know works. And, uh, you know, so, so try to reason with him. And it's funny because Picard doesn't expect this to work. No. What he wants to do is get Moriarty to tell what he thinks is the quote unquote real Riker to try this techno babble technique. Uh, but he's not talking to the real Riker. He's talking to the holographic simulation within the holographic simulation within the holograph simulation <laughs> Riker, <laughs> which is perfect. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, and then, so he basically just beats 
Moriarty, you know, Moriarty tries to beat them at their own game by putting them in the holodeck. And then Picard beats Moriarty at his game by, by putting him in a holodeck situation. And it's just layered and wonderful and delightful. And Picard wins because he's Picard, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a good plan. And, but it, but it's so fun. And, and like I said, I just love the part where he's like, oh man, I wish I could see Picard's face. And then, and then they, they make their way out and, and he gets, you know, he basically tricks Moriarty into thinking he wants that he'll release the ship. And then they, they release the ship and, and they've, they've, they've uh, out, outsmarted the uh, professor. <laughs> But it is the- pretty glorious. And as a yeah. three-part problem goes, it has a wonderful solution. And it's so nice to hear. It's so nice to see Picard <laughs> just figure this out and just turn the tables on, you know, now a, an arch nemesis of the crew. You know, it's not right. just the fictional villain, a genuine villain whom he is outsmarting. And that's because Picard's just the kind of guy who can outsmart you. Um, yeah. It is it is wonderful to see and very, very well done. And that's why Star Trek's so great, isn't it? It throws a problem at you which you've never thought of, and then it right. gives you a convincing solution. And you're like, Wow, okay, yeah, I can see how it works. Um I, I mean I've, for me I, I love both of these categories, but I absolutely love that Picard just outsmarts him and twists yeah. everything around and in you know, it's essentially an inception. There's a reality, yeah. and there's a reality, and there's a reality, and one of <laughs> two of them aren't real. But, but the one I've got in my mind is real, so that's one we'll stick to. Um, I love it. I love it. So I'd happily give. I'd happily give you the point. <laughs> yeah, and then then Picard has that that great meta line, like, oh, "Well, maybe we're in a device in some other reality." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wink at the camera <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny yeah you know i'm gonna i'm gonna give i'm gonna give mine a ship in a bottle too i i, I mean i love elementary data and it does i mean it just sparked that conversation we had like like what do you do yeah, with that it's yeah uh, but then I, I just the way it all comes to a head and ship in a bottle is just so interesting so yeah all right one final category <laughs> but uh we've got uh, right now ship in the bottle has seven and elementary deer data is three unbelievable, unbelievable. But this this could this could uh <laughs> make things this could make things more respectable more respectable yeah um if we oh sorry it's your choice isn't it? no no your choice, oh, my choice. um yep. If we look for the world's greatest detective, what was the best detection in in the episode "Ship in a Bottle"? Oh well, it was a really nice touch that that our dear Data is the one who figured figured it out. Who he he's the one who figured it out that they were in they were not on the Enterprise. They were in still in the holodeck in Moriarty's simulation of the Enterprise. And the way he figures it out is uh, they they do an experiment in the transporter. They try to transport a chair off the holodeck just to try it. Um, And it didn't work. But, you know, it's like, well, we can still learn from, you know, learn so you can still learn something even from a failed attempt. And and so data goes to like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is is true, right? Sometimes. So da- data goes to uh, to get the ret- retrieve the data from from the transport experiment, and there's nothing there. And the reason there's nothing there is because they didn't actually use a trans, you know, a transporter to. Uh, there, there wasn't anything. He, the way he explained it was there wasn't anything for the holodeck to pull from because they'd never tried an experiment like that on the real transporter. Um, so it was just empty. It's just an empty set, as if they hadn't done it at all. He said, and uh, so he has his suspicions uh, from then on because he's very good deductive reasoning. He's he's very good at solving mysteries. Yeah, he is very good at that. Of course, he wants to play Sherlock Holmes in his downtime, uh, but he and then he confirms it by by throwing something to Jordy uh, in the left hand, and he catches it on his left hand. You know, just like love it. That was what was wrong with the ho- the holodeck was off. <laughs> it was for some reason it, its failure mechanism was <laughs> having people's dominant hands change <laughs> change sides. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, it was funny, but and then it's funny scene too because he tells Picard what's wrong. And then you know, like, okay, so only you, me, and Barkley are real, and and Jordy hologram Jordy's just sitting there. <laughs> like, yeah, what? and that, that was what I thought. I thought would hologram Jordy protest more? Is that? <laughs> No, no, no! I'm definitely real. I'm real, man. <laughs> he just, just stands there like a, a mute and yeah. doesn't say a single thing, and then later on, the, you're dismissed. Now he just walks yeah. off. Like well, this isn't part of the program. <laughs> so, so yeah. So it, it, I think I, I I like that they gave data um, the you know the role of figuring it out because he did. I think I think. Or the reason I really like this is as I think him solving this would have convinced Pulaski to to say that he won their bet. Oh, I do like you know that. What I mean? Yeah, I like that a lot. That is really nice. So mm. how about for elementary dear data? So elementary dear data, he starts off not doing that much detection. And in fact, what he does is just recognizes home stories that are being played out. Right. And it is rather disappointing. I mean, it's fun for us to watch it happen. <laughs> and if you know the stories, they're all genuine home stories right. he's referencing. Um, and then later they ask for a new story and it's, it's just two stories mashed together. And he's essentially just done the same thing again. The only time he does some genuine, genuine detection, which is sort of off the cuff, is that time you mentioned whereby they're running after what he believes is Moriarty and they chance upon a genuine Victorian murder mystery as a man (laughs) lies dead on the street corner. And you mentioned that Geordie offers to step it, offers his opinion on the man's demise and... (laughs) I love that. He's so proud of himself. Getting Le- into the lays, you know, lays a few things out, and that you know, you can see by the fingerprints, you can see by the prints on the thumb that you know on the neck that he's been strangled. And Data just is like, no, look at his shoes. He's definitely a convict. Um, he spent the day in the tavern consuming large quantities of gin with his killer. I don't know how he knew. I mean, the gin you might get by the smell. The convict from the shoes. He followed him to the spot and waited over here till the victim slipped into a drunken stupor. I don't know how he would know that. Um, then, out of fear and motivated by any self protection, strangled him. And presumably, it's because he knows who's done the crime, so therefore he's figured out 
why the crime would have been figured, uh, cut, uh, carried out. Uh, and then he names a woman in, in the crowd as the murderer <laughs> that she is the unfortunate wife of the deceased who has been abused by him and she has strangled him with her necklace, which is a beaded shawl, it says here, a beaded, a beaded shawl that's been used as a garrote. And that, that's why the delicate imprints on his neck are there. It's not fingerprints, as Geordie had surmised. It's just perfect. And he knocks it out. I mean, it's three sentences. Bang, bang, bang. The poor woman's arrested. Off they go to chase Moriarty. It's just perfect. It's really nicely done. And in the, the home style, he gets a tiny clue and then he builds it all up, the picture in his mind, and then tells you as he goes. It does seem like a genuine <laughs> Holmes story. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the actual cause of the murder. But yeah, it's so it, the funny thing about it is, is that he just he just knocks it, like you say, he just knocks it out. <laughs> and it like, like doesn't even break a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> and that was ostensibly that. Right. And ostensibly that was what the, the you know, that was the mystery that the computer had come up with, you know, in the Holmes style. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and he just he just took care of it like it was nothing the mystery in home style and then he has to deal with the adversary right but he just needed to to do that real quick so we could see what's going on with Pulaski I love that 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 was a great bit Uh, right let's look at the points then um I do I mean data data figuring out they're on the holodeck is is useful like effective detection he's figured something out he's used the clues he's pieced it together he's literally solving the problem they're in so i'm having a hard time not giving him that point but the sheer theater of him solving a problem (laughs) as Holmes in in victorian london and the way it's set out and the way he dismisses geordie's opinion and then matter of factly just runs through everything i just love it As a detective, as the world's greatest detective, I'm going to give it to Data. Oh, that's a good point. Based on the category of world's greatest detective, yeah, um, yeah, and that scene is is so great. I I never get tired of 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 Jordy fought, like really getting into the role as Watson, and and he even starts like talking in an accent when he when he's saying yeah, what he he does. out. It's just so funny. Well, yeah. <laughs> and Data just dismisses him with just a. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. It's so great. It's so great. And yeah, so that's the oh, that's such a great scene. I'm I'm going with I'm gonna go with ship in a bottle for this one. It's hard I, it is hard not to because it's, it's I just, so so effective, so useful. I, yeah, I just love that they gave data like data being the one to solve the mystery is just such a nice like he's he's literally being the Sherlock Holmes here by by figuring it out. And I, I think that's, that that's just fun to me. And, and I really do think that this is like, he's, he, this is him defeating Moriarty, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, so I, I, th- I think, like I said, I think he would have this with this, he won the bet Pulaski's bet. So yeah. I like that. And I'm I gonna do go like that. that. That is really nice. So after six categories, cause we, we did a bonus homes yeah. category. Uh, so elementary deer data has four and chip in a bottle has eight. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. Which is, that's a, a real up I think. Uh, yeah. 
because they're both equivalent episodes and they work really nicely together. Um, but for one to overcome the other so much. Yeah, I thought it might be closer. And I know Elementary Dear Data is a really, really popular episode. Yeah. I, I, I personally prefer Ship in the Bottle, though. I'm, I'm happy with this because that's... I, I, I really like that episode a lot. I, I think I think they took they they took what Elementary Dear Data did and, and ran with it in in such an interesting way. And I, I think, think having the Moriarty focus more in that second episode is more yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I, I like the, more I like the theater of the first episode, yeah. or I like Moriarty in the second episode. Yeah, and I mean we wanted more of him because he was so interesting in Elementary Dear Data. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it couldn't have you couldn't have had chip in the bottle without elementary dear data. So, and uh, I mean, we always say this, but they work so well. Just watch, oh, yeah. watch one, I, then watch the other. Oh well, this this is straight up a sequel to <laughs> to each other. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sorry, chip in the bottle is, is straight up a sequel to elementary dear data. So it's definitely meant to be watched like that, and it's perfect. I love it. Okay, to round out this episode of Snap Trek, we will recite some of the glorious poems that we have received. Uh, Jen, would you like to read out a poem? Sure. All right. All right. This poem is from friend of the show, Rob Chapman, uh, who is at Trekkie Rob on Twitter. And he writes his lyrical tribute to Professor Moriarty. Okay. A hollow villain by accident did Geordie create, with a Victorian countess as a mate. Control the enterprise he did take, and he gave it a good shake. But now, in the holodeck memory, he must wait. <laughs> Recounting the tragedy of Moriarty. And it had a sort of a Victorian theme, that a Victorian feel to it, that limerick. Yeah. The phrasing of the sentences. I liked it. Yeah. Um, excellent work, Rob. I'm going to bring you a... A little offering by Trek fan Rick. And this is a title. We love titles here. This is called No Ship Sherlock, which is very good. Excellent work. Um, okay. A hollow villain Moriarty is given life, causing the crew no shortage of strife. He kidnaps a doctor, which is quite pesky. Then he traps crew in the hollow deck when he gets testy but doesn't get the Enterprise and ends up in a cube on Barclay's desky. <laughs> <laughs> nice use of the word desky as well. I think there's a I whole range of new words that have Y on the end that are just going to sound great since the introduction of Badgie. We it can, works. It just yeah, works, doesn't it's, it? It's just a go. It just works. <laughs> so thank you so much for sending in those poems. We do always love to get them in and love to read them out. Oh, they were brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> Good. Now that we've finished with the old business, on to the new. Time to hand out next month's story assignments. Ritterhouse, we're waiting! Okay, friends and neighbors, let's see what Uncle Roy has for you today. And in the next episode of Snap Trek, we will be visiting Season 7 episodes that see our counsellors psychically linked to psychopaths in order to solve murders. <laughs> As we compare Deep Space Nine's Field of Fire with TNG's Eye of the Beholder. Wow. Uh, unbelievably bizarre. Uh, looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. <laughs>
Again, love that there's two of those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good spot. Good spot. <laughs> oh, my. That'll be fun. Okay. Well, I think that's right. us done. Okay. Jen, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? Just want to thank everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have a great time doing this, and, and we hope that, that you enjoy listening. And thanks. That's it. Again, agreed. Always a pleasure to speak to you, Jen, and see you next time. That's uh, Royal Fisbin. Enough of this. I no longer believe anything you say. Professor, I understand your frustration. Do you really? When this is over, you will walk out of this room to the real world and your own concerns and leave me here trapped in a world I know to be nothing but illusion. I cannot bear that. I must leave. That is not possible. You cannot exist outside this room. Are you certain of that? Computer, exit. Although objects appear solid on the holodeck, in the real world, they have no substance. An object has no life. I do. Professor, you are a computer simulation. I have consciousness. Conscious beings have will. The mind endows them with powers that are not necessarily understood, even by you. If my will is strong enough, perhaps I can exist outside this room. Perhaps I can walk into your world right now. Professor, I ask you to believe me. If you step out of that door, you will cease to exist. If I am nothing more than a computer simulation, then very little will have been lost. But if I am right, mind over matter, cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am.